We are the real Brady, Brady Bros. Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who are you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady, Brady Bros. Bros. Hi, this is Adrienne Barbeau, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Robertson Law, Greg Garibar, welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that is about to bring you part three of our conversation with Michael Bell. Michael Bell, one of the most enduring voice actors in film and TV animation. Michael's voice can be heard in numerous video games and animated series, including Transformers, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, The Hound Cats, Rugrats, The Smurfs. And the Snorks, he was also the voice of the Parquet Tub on the very popular Parquet Margarine commercials. And he has a long list of on-screen acting credits on such shows as The Rockford Files, The FBI, Ironside, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, and a recurring role on Dallas. Michael's website, michaelbellvoices.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at michaelbellvo. We mentioned before we recorded, and I think we mentioned in our open, that you did several episodes of Dallas. You played Bobby Ewing's banker, Les Crowley. Now, I've been told that uh, Patrick Duffy, he was the serious guy on screen, but behind the scenes, he was very, very funny, kept guest stars and you know fellow actors loose. Was that your experience working? Because you had a lot of scenes with Duffy. He was cool. He was very, very cool. He was easy to work with. You didn't feel any pressure at all. And I won't name the actors that did give me pressure. <laughs> I could get sued. But uh, he, quite frankly, was, was a treat to work with. He had a good sense of humor. And I felt very comfortable. Look, I felt comfortable enough so that uh, the character I played, I thought, you know, this is, could be just another guy, just, you know, wait, great, find his, his attorney. So I did it with an Irish dialect. Mm-hmm. And nobody fought me on it. And I said, great, this is a great set. This is a great set to work on. And he's really lovely. He's really, really sweet guy. I understand Hagman kept people loose, too, as well. I mean, you had a couple of scenes with Hagman in one of your shows, if I remember correctly. Also, also. And, you know, he was Mary Martin's son. Mm-hmm. And he was just wonderful. Also, also a wonderful person to work with. You know, guys that are easy. Don't take, don't take yourself seriously. It's acting, folks. Nobody dies. It's not brain surgery. You know, I don't, the actors that I'd worked with that were just literally talking to themselves and staring at their shoes. Yeah, I studied I studied the method, and I've studied Stanley Foxy for a number of years. But you're not going to have me standing in the corner, you know, doing this and, uh, you know, I can't be bothered right now. I'm busy trying to get into myself. I can't be bothered with that crap. These guys were cool. How do you feel about when there are award shows and sometimes actors will accept and give these florid sort of over-the-top speeches about oh, their craft please. and stuff? Isn't that... Doesn't it kind of get a little bit tiresome, I would you say? I said to my daughter, who's an extraordinary actress and producer-director as well, and I said, if you ever get an award, and she's gotten a number of awards, but nothing like that. She's never, never on nothing that's televised. Please don't talk about acting. Please don't talk about finding your true self and the journey that you took. If I hear journey from one more actor, I'm going to pee in my pants. <laughs> Not a journey. 
You know, you get in front of the camera, you learn your lines, you do your thing. If you're gifted enough to be able to, to, to make it work for you, then it works for you great. If it works for other people, that's great. Listen, I hear people say, you know, I don't care for Meryl Streep. I can see her working. She's brilliant. I don't see her working. She's regular. She's just brilliant. You know, there are actors who, who are who are wonderful. There's some actors that just, yeah, okay, they're good. And some with fabulous personalities that you love watching them. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. But it's not brain surgery, folks. It's not that, not that important. On the line with us is Michael Bell. Michael Bell, one of the most enduring voice actors in film and TV animation. Michael's voice has been heard on such video games and animated series as the Transformers, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, The Hound Cats, The Rugrats, The Smurfs, and The Snorks. You can follow Michael Bell on Twitter at MichaelBellVO to learn more about Michael's career and the workshops and voiceover that he teaches. Go to MichaelBellVoices.com. You mentioned singing before, and this was another thing that I'd asked you about earlier, um, that you had sung in a couple of your animated roles. In Heidi's song, you played uh, a guy who was actually, Janet Waldo was your your girlfriend, but she was sort of playing second fiddle to your horse, and you sang a beautiful uh, love song to your horse and actually did a dance, your character anyway, written by Sammy Kahn and Burton Lane called An Armful of Sunshine. And then in a, a TV movie Hanna-Barbera made called Oliver and the Artful Dodger, you also had a singing role as the Artful Dodger. Did you have formal training in singing? No. First of all, I don't think that was me uh, in, in uh, Johan. I did Johan's voice. I'm well, I think they, they pretty much got somebody who could really sing the Sammy Kahn show, the Sammy Kahn music. I mean, I, that's, I don't have a trained voice. I did sing in Oliver Twist and the Artful Dodger, and I don't know why they let me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I can barely, I can just about hold a tune, but I can't hold it for too long. Um, so I was, uh, what surprised me was that I played a classic character, the Artful Dodger, and I beat out Davy Jones. For wow. Me. Yep. I mean, I, I was, I said, when I went in and read, I said, oh, I'm not going to get this. There's no way. I mean, Davy Jones is here. He's not only is he English, he also sings. And when they said, okay, Mike, you got it, I went, huh? Well, geez, I, I didn't even have to put out for it. I can't, I can't believe they gave it to me. And I, when I, I, well, anyway, needless to say, I've watched it since. And I said, oh, that's a little off key. Oh, that's a little off key. Mm, ow, but they bought it. Okay, I'm not going to fight with that. Wow. But as far as that, that I did sing on, uh, they had me sing on a on camera sing for Six Feet Under. I did a segment of Six Feet Under, and I had to sing. And I thought, oh God, I'm dead in the water. But thankfully, uh, they took a little device and put it in my ear, so that I could hear the music and the recording behind me, so I could follow it. And I just played it like crazy at home, and I was able to do it. I'll have to look for that. I've got I've I've got the entire season on. On DVD, I haven't I haven't watched that show in a number of years, but I loved it when I, that that was must see TV when it was on. Oh, me too. I, it, the thing is called "Singing for Our Lives." Is the episode? I will, I will look for that. Yeah, I will look. I will look for that. Um, let's see. Before we started recording, uh, Michael, we were what one of the things I didn't know about until Greg told me. You're an inventor. 
Yeah, I um, uh, well, you know, uh, I'm an environmentalist, uh, and a lot of people are. I'm, I'm one of the first people to uh, drive a Prius in uh, in uh, uh, in California. In mm-hmm. fact, the L.A. Times came out and did an interview with me because nobody else was driving a Prius. No one wanted to get in it, and I bought one. And suddenly, got word got back, and I got a reporter calling me saying, "Can we take a photo of you and interview on why you're in a Prius?" Which was ugliest car in the world but uh i said hey i don't care about ugly i said uh, i'm beautiful i just want to get 40 miles to a gallon so uh that was that was the beginning and then of course as i said i'm an environmentalist so i when melanie were talking we, we were discussing well what happens when you turn the shower on you get about about two or three minutes of fresh uh water you you get uh, uh white water and it, it goes to the sewer why should we waste that? Why can't we establish something that would, when it goes to through the it goes through, it goes through the drain and goes to a tank, and from the tank it gets uh, filtered, and then it goes to your garden. And same thing with the toilet. Why why do we have uh, why are we using all that fresh water for black water? Why don't we use gray water? Let's let's use the water from the shower, and send that to our toilet. What could be bad? What's in the shower? Unless you're some, you know, you're some kid and you're peeing in the shower. Big deal. It gets it gets filtered anyway. So we went a long, right up to the state of California, and the state of California Plumbers Association, whatever, said, no, it's going to be deleterious to women. We said, why is it deleterious to women? Because women have to sit when they urinate, and in the backsplash, if it's gray water, I said, but they're urinating. How do you think it's in the urine, you fool? (laughs) Well, the gray water could have pathogens. Like what? What are we going to do, taking a bunch of cancer victims and we're taking a bunch of tuberculosis victims and throwing them in the shower? We're taking people to take a shower and it goes down the drain and it goes into, you know, it, nobody has leprosy here. It's not, what are you talking about? I mean, that's crazy. Gray water is acceptable. And wouldn't you know, years later, they came out with a concept where they use black water that they want to turn to, uh, to white water. I said, wait a minute. You mean they're really interested in turning black water? You mean my neighbor throws up after a bad night, I'm supposed to drink it? (laughs) That's okay. But what we had, what Melanie and I put together, uh, and it was workable. We wanted to put it into new homes, into into new facilities. Uh, You you know, it's a little hard to retro, but it would have been great. That didn't happen. So we just let it go. See, we had several... Several people interested in buying the patent. We were said, sure, you can do something with it, but then that never happened. So, hey, one of the things you tried. Well, that's, hey, well, look, and we, we can easily spend an hour talking about, you know, the obstacles that, uh, you know, lobbyists will throw in the way, you know, when uh, in, in order to discourage a common sense, really good invention uh, such as you just described. I can tell you that my mother would have loved it. When I was a kid, uh, this is like, you know, 76, 75, 76, when we had the first real big drought here in California. Yeah. You would have liked my mother, Michael, because um, what she would have us do is, and somehow either she jerry-rigged this or my father jerry-rigged this, but uh, the water that would um, spit out of the, uh, the the spin cycle, you know. Uh, it would just right. it would just go down the drain. Right. My mother had my father jerry rig a system where we would we would save the water coming out of the spin cycle, 
and then it would pour into this large basin that we got from Sears Roebuck, and then we would wheel it out to our backyard, and we would use the water from the spin cycle to water my mom and dad's garden. And we did that for a couple of years. I was worried you were going to say, and we made soup out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you had a carrot, and you had a tomato, and a potato, and you got soup. No, I'll tell you, I do that already, but I do that now with uh, the water from our spin cycle. It goes out to the garden, but it goes to a, a facility that holds it, and then when it gets to a certain point, it uh, sends it out to uh, several little spigots that, uh, that water the garden internally. What better from Zan the Thunder Twin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Form of gray water. <laughs> <laughs> On the line with us is Michael Bell. Michael Bell, one of the most enduring voice actors in film and TV animation. Michael's voice has been heard on such video games and animated series as the Transformers, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, the Houndcats, the Rugrats, the Smurfs, and the Snorks. You can follow Michael Bell on Twitter at Michael Bell. VO to learn more about Michael's career and the workshops and voiceover that he teaches, go to michaelbellvoices.com. Talk about two things. One is butter yeah. and parquet yeah. and how that came about. And I also have a follow-up question about that. Okay, well, we, we, were, both, we were all called in. It, it, I think it was everybody read for it. It was just one word. The agent said, uh, my agent that time said, come on in and uh, just read for this thing. And I said, all right, what do I have to do? And he said, just one word. And I said, what is it, butter? And I went, that's it? And he said, yeah, it's a little parquet thing. He lifts the lid, blah, 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 I'm in a butter, butter. Okay, fine. So I just went, butter. So you've got three takes, Mike. Butter, 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 whatever. And then I got it. And I said, okay, it's another job. And boy, this just took off like crazy. Before you know it, it became really amazing. I mean, there were cartoons about it. There were jokes about it. There were people were doing riffs on it. Then I wound up doing a lot of them over the next couple of years in Spanish, in Italian. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the Spanish one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mantapia. <laughs> Mantapia. I do Mantapia. Then I, and I, well, I had to do an opera singer. I think the opera singer is singing, and then he tries it, and then I, suddenly he listens, and I go, Butter! <laughs> I, that was fun. And then I did one with Senior Wences. Oh, yeah. This is with this puppet, puppet Johnny. And yeah. This little puppet on his little hand puppet with a little wig and two eyes on it. And he, oh, so cool. He, he, he gets you butter, butter, ginger, and the whole thing. And I went, you butter. And it was really fun. Fun work because I was there on the set with the people that they that they used for it. So. Wow. Well, and, and Carol Burnett did a spoof of it, too. I remember that. Yeah, I've been shot, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> They did a thing also, I think, that, and I have the strip. It's a little, it's a little uh, from a newspaper, and it shows Reagan, President Reagan, and he lifts the lid, and I went, uh, uh, better, and he goes, guns. I went, better, he went, guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I remember when you were on Entertainment Tonight, and, and they did a whole thing on Parquet, and you said something about on your tombstone, you know, they're going to say, here lies Mike Bell or something. You remember that? What? I, uh, very vaguely, but yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I try, here lies, I, what was it, here lies, he, he finally reached his wit's end, something <laughs> odd where I was going to go butter. And I've, uh, my yeah. coffin, when you look at my coffin, it goes butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. And now, and of course, now you're also a walking Comic-Con because you're, you do, you've done Star Wars and Star Trek things, including the pilot for Next right. Generation, right. Encounter at Farpoint. Right, I sure did. It's so funny when people see that, and I, they see the wig and the long hair and the whole big thing, and uh, now I look like that. But then I was quite <laughs> younger. I originally read for O or Q. Is it Q? I read Q, I guess, the character. And then Gene Roddenberry said, would, Mike, would you read for uh, Grappa Zorn? I said, sure. I thought, okay, I didn't get Q. Damn it. So I went outside and looked at the script for 12 seconds and came back in and said, I'm ready. Then I started because I looked at the characters. What they wanted was this old-looking, creaky-looking guy. So I used my voice. You know, I brought him over here. And they said, I said, no, no, use your own voice. I said, because he's an old guy. Yeah, but use your own voice because we just use the makeup. I went, oh, okay, fine. So after I did that, I wound up doing that. And then... Uh, and meeting all the guys for the first time and uh, for their first time in the box. and It was very exciting. I, I don't think any of them expected it to be what they thought it would be. I don't think any of them uh, really thought this was going to go anywhere. I understand that you made such an, uh, uh, such an impression on Patrick Stewart when you did Encounter at Far, Far Part that he wanted to bring you back for the final episode. Yeah, I did. I ran into him at a, at a studio that I was working at. I was doing some voiceovers at a studio, and he came in. I said, Patrick, he said, Michael, and we talked and shot the breeze. And he said, and I said, okay, I didn't come back for the last one. He said, I asked for you because they brought all these other characters. They said, bring back croppers on. And I said, yeah, well, they didn't listen to you, Patrick. You have no power, but I like you anyway. You're cool. But it was, it was really nice of him to even suggest that they bring me back for that. But the guys did give me... Um, Deep Space Nine, a couple of Deep Space Nines, and uh, I got to play a couple of creepy characters in uh, two-parter as a Bajoran. Well, Stuart should have said, make it so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oh, sure. <laughs> I had to, I had to uh, they had to lift me as Grappler's on, if you remember, the pilot, and uh, with these wires, because I was suspended in midair because the creature had me in its grasp, and I was supposed to be struggling and crying and trying to be released. And the uh, I had my stuntman on it, and I said, you know, stick around, and, uh, you know, and they dressed him up a bit. I said, but I'll do the, I'll do the work. You know, that, just lift me up, and I'll do the work. And uh, the, uh, the stunt guy said, um, I'll rig him. And, he, and then my guy said, hey, you got to put a, a, some sort of a mattress underneath him because he's really high. And they said, no worry, don't worry, we don't need a mattress. He, he's... He's in good hands. We, I, I flew a lot of people, and he says, yeah, but I want a mattress under him. And they didn't like the idea, but they did. So they put an inflated mattress under me, and they lifted me about maybe 10, 12 feet off the ground or something like that. And I'm flat, straight out, and I'm struggling and struggling and struggling, and, and the wires broke. Oh. And I came down fast, landing mm. on the mattress. Wow. Flat, flat out back. Thank God my head was up as opposed to down. Yeah. And, uh, and I landed flat, and I didn't move. And I can hear voices going around, and I hear the producer, and I hear, I guess, I guess Brian or whoever, and all these guys coming in. Is he okay? Mike? Mike, okay? And I didn't move at all. Mike, are you right? And I, had, I looked up, and I went, I see a series in my future. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the comedy series. They had one segment. I don't know if you recall. It was uh, 
where the lead character gets hit in the head and, and he goes into a coma and he winds up in a G.I. Joe town, G.I. Joe series. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's all animated. <laughs> so they call my agent, and of course it's very adult, a lot of adult jokes mm-hmm. and slams. So they call my agent and they said, uh, we'd like to get Michael Bell on the show. Um, but uh, the, the Duke, but he's what? He's like in his seventies now, isn't he? Does he sound the same? She said, "Why don't you give him a call?" So they said, "Really?" And they said, "Yeah, I'll give you the number." So she calls me. She says, "You're going to get a call from the producers of blah 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 of community, and they want to know if you sound okay, like Duke, or that you sound too old because they'll have to find somebody young guy to do Duke." And I said, "Okay, fine." So the phone rings, and I pick up the phone. And I go, "Hello." <laughs> you did an Ephraim. He goes, yeah, can, can <laughs> Michael Bell be your grandpa? <laughs> and I got on the phone, I went, hello? <laughs> there was this silence. He said, uh, yeah, can I, can, I speak to, uh, this, uh, uh, can I speak to Michael Bell, please? This is Michael Bell. <laughs> uh, Michael Bell, the voice of Duke. I said, yeah, that's me. Who is this? And there's this silence. He said, okay, yo, Joe, knowing is half the battle. All right, guys? They went, oh, okay, fine, okay. Uh, we'll have you to the studio next week and give you, call your agent and set up your time. Michael, I have been laughing so hard. I don't know about you, Greg. I have been laughing so hard, my whole body hurts. So I want to I, I want to thank you for that because it's just it's the best it's it's great. Okay, Michael, is there anything else you'd like us to ask you that we haven't covered already? My daughter Ashley Bell. Let me just give her a plug. If anybody, if you got your people listening, I'd love them to see her movie that she produced and directed called Love and Bananas. It's a documentary about the rescue of a seventy-year-old partially blind elephant from a trekking camp in uh, Thailand and her 500-mile journey to a sanctuary. It's a beautiful film, got great notices, great reviews. It's been seen all over the world. It's still playing, and it got 96% from the uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Is that the one? Um, I, might, I might be getting my titles mixed up. Did Lily Tomlin narrate that? No, that's a tough one. That's oh. a rough one. That's hard to watch. Okay, all right. That's Good. apology to elephants. This is easy to watch. It's beautiful. It's, in, it's about the environment. It's about saving elephants. It's about uh, one elephant and how she, how she finds herself suddenly becoming an elephant again after 70 years in chains. Love and Bananas, uh, directed by... Ashley Bell. Ashley Bell, Michael's daughter. Michael Bell, you can follow Michael Bell on Twitter, michaelbellvoices.com for more on Michael's classes, his voiceover classes, voice artist classes that he teaches. Michael, please join us again one of these nights on TV Confidential. Uh, Sounds great. Love it. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.